Blog Talk Radio. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another broadcast of The Unexplained World, a world for some of us, no explanation is needed. And for others, that is why we are here. With your hosts, Edward Chanahan, a psychic medium, paranormal explorer, and author, along with Annette, who is a pagan truth seeker. The Unexplained World is a location where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy. So enjoy. Welcome to the February 24th broadcast of The Unexplained World with your host, Edward Shanahan. That's me and Annette. Hello, Annette. Hello, Ed. How are you tonight? I'm doing I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm also okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, uh, I don't know about the weather by you, but it's windy as windy can get over here. And, oh, this uh, is the Ides of March a couple of days early, I think. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> it's, it's the last week of uh, February, too, so is, am I correct, Annette? Yeah, that's right. I think so. Yeah, yeah. last week. Yeah. It's a shorty. Okay. Yeah, it's, and then we're going to be looking at March <laughs> already. So, mm-hmm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, our guest tonight will be Mr. Ian Wilson. And uh, about lucid dreaming and how we can control our dreams and wildness of our subconscious. So um, that will be very, very interesting. We'll bring him on in a minute or two. Uh, do you have anything that you want to talk about or push Annette before we go on? You know, I just want to say thank you to the Ghost South Shore Ghost Bus because they had me come out and meet them at Comic-Con Uh in Cherville this weekend, and they dressed me up in my rookie suit, and I was busting ghosts and having a good time with the kids and taking pictures. So check out their Facebook page, and, you know, they always try to raise money to help me with Northwest Indiana Conservation. So mm-hmm. I just want to give a shout-out to my buddy Mark and the Ghostbusters. <laughs> good. We're going to have to give you some uh, cards to pass out about the show for when you're making all these personal... I, I thought of that when I got there, silly me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Make all these personal, exper- you know, yeah, uh, appearances and my, stuff. Uh, my buddy, um, who's this one of these Ghostbusters, the leader of the Ghostbusters, um, he has seen that weird gargoyle winged creature twice in the city. So I was thinking he might make a fabulous, and he's very well versed at actual paranormal investigation outside of his fun of dressing up with his proton pack, but we might want to get him on as a guest because he has got a lot of cool knowledge about some great locations. Oh, cool, cool. Maybe we could make mm-hmm. him a, a guide or something like that. For he future certainly could event. be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you do the talking, you do the arranging, and uh, keep me posted. Okay? All right, I will. I will. Because... Uh, yeah, if you've realized, if you haven't realized yet, 
two weeks ago we had Chuck on talking about Chuck yeah. Kennedy talking about uh, I just went blank. <laughs> I was going to say talking about the mind and uh, subconscious and the paranormal part of it and the spiritual right. side. Right. Oh, yeah. In the third eye. Last week we had. Which is actually behind our left ear, isn't that right? <laughs> yes, yeah, what he claims. Last yeah. week we had Marion talking about CBD. Tonight we have Mr. Wilson on talking about lucid mm-hmm. dreaming. And next, a week from this coming Saturday, or this coming Sunday, a week from it, we're going to have Scott Grossberg on talking about charcoals and stuff. So there's been kind of a theme to the last month, basically, in the future show coming up, dealing with all about the individual. And it doesn't mm-hmm. work out that way. Yeah. So. What hey, you know, the universe yeah. works in some strange ways. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even planned. It just happened to be boom, 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 boom. And with that being said, uh, let me say one other thing. Want to know about readings or anything performed by me? Just go to edwardchanahan.com. You can find everything there, even for being a guest on the radio show, on this broadcast. And right now, let's go to Mr. Ian Wilson. Hello, Ian. Mr. Wilson. Ed and Annette, what a pleasure. Hello. Hello, Good evening, Ian. How are you tonight? Me, I'm still living the dream that lasts a lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Can't ask for much more than that now, can you? Mr. Wilson is lucid dreaming and how we can control our dreams and wildness of the subconscious. I hope to have him on more than this one time. Uh, more times in the future, uh, and do you, is it okay if I call you Ian, sir? That is perfectly fine. My name's Ian, but Ion, I like it because Ian, you know Ian. it's I'm Ion. I'm sorry. Uh, That's good. You know. Ed, it's all good. Ian, I'm very sorry about that. Let me um, before we go any further, where is your website? You get My address? website currently, sure, it's you are dreaming. Dot org. And if people go there, what will they find? Well, a plethora of information. I've been actively lucid dreaming now for almost 32 years. I started back in 1987 from reading an Omni magazine written by Dr. Stephen LeBurge. And if you're familiar with LeBurge, he's one of the masters of lucid dreaming, one of the most researched persons involved in studying the actual experience of lucid dreaming. And that's where I got my start, was from his information. For our listeners that may be totally new to what the word lucid or phrase lucid dreaming means, can you explain that? Absolutely. Because this is going to be a learning process for a lot of people. So can you explain that, please? Yeah, well, for the most part, everybody sleeps and has dreams. We actually have four to six dreams per night. Not everybody actively participates in that process. So just like you're awake right now, you're in a state of lucidity. That's self-aware. You're able to think, ask questions, and you're aware that you're having this experience of reality. You can bring that part of yourself into the dream state. So when you're in the dream state, instead of being in an unconscious or a trance-like state, you can be extremely conscious, self-aware, 
and have all your cognitive analytical abilities there so you can then question, explore, experience, and do anything with the dream state. Wow. Wow, so it's... And I'm uh, sure you probably even had a moment where you're in a dream and you say, you know, oh, I think I need to switch it to this, or I'd much rather prefer that it go that way. I know I have, haven't you? Well, I enjoy the ability, I don't know if if Ian would even say this is an ability, but to, after I wake up, to pick up dream where I just, where I left off at and <laughs> drive it to the direction I want to go, or even the next night, pick up where I left a dream. Um, I enjoy that. And I've been talking to David Kump about that because he's having weird dreams. And they almost scare him. And uh, mm. try to get him to go that route to pick him up, pick it up where he left off at. He don't want to even do that. Is that something that is rare? Ian, or no, it's actually that... quite common. <clears throat> we do have continuity in our dream experiences, just like we have continuity in our waking experience. So you can have, and I, I don't do it a lot, but I do have a certain amount of persistency in my dream state. But I do, because I've talked to a lot of lucid dreamers and people that are very active in creating narratives and stories in their dream state that have persistent dream worlds, that they go back and they actually continue to live in that state a second life. So that's wow. not that mm. uncommon. That's very interesting. interesting. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> um, I'm just fascinating, fascinated about all of this, and it seems like it's a wide topic. So it you is. guide us, too. In, in... Sure. Well, let's start at some really solid materials that, Unlike most things, because, you know, it's a big struggle for us to come into the idea that there's more than just our waking reality. And for the longest time, lucid dreaming was considered to be woo or something that wasn't honest or genuine as an experience. I mean, Norman Malcolm, who was a skeptic back in the 1950s, wrote a book where because he didn't have lucid dreams, he believed that nobody who had lucid dreams was genuine, that they were just lying about the experience. But fast forward to today, we now have EEG and fMRI scans that show people can be conscious during sleep. And there's been a lot of research now into that where it's no longer treated with skepticism because the scientific evidence is now there that supports it. And it's beautiful to look at the fMRI scans because people are lit up when they're lucid dreaming. When they're not lucid dreaming, the brain's actually very dim in terms of its activity. So this is a new frontier, and I think this is a really great opportunity for people to become more aware that, hey, your consciousness and your conscious experiences don't have to stop at sleep. Uh, We lose 30% of our waking life to sleep. So when you think about your life, you know, you're losing 30% of your existence, your conscious existence to amnesic sleep if you don't participate in your dreams. This is one way where you can actually be conscious and have a very real and profound experience adding conscious experience to yourself before. So it's additive. I probably added about 10 years of conscious experience through lucid dreaming in the 32 years that I've been at it. And how and about the rest? About? Are you getting the same patterns and the same rest state? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'm sorry, I cut yeah, you off. I, I, Go ahead. And, uh, and what would you dream about that's making up for 
those years. What you said, the amount of time. <clears throat> oh, there's a lot. I, I have a totally different approach for how I look at lucid dreaming. I got into it in the very beginning for entertainment purposes. I was a teenager, and back then in the early or the late 80s, you know, our computer games were like 8-bit graphics and our movies were all, you know, they weren't like they are today with the very high-end special effects. But I noticed with my non-lucid dreams that they were very vivid and very story-driven, so entertaining. And I thought, geez, you know, if I could be conscious in these dreams, it'd be just a lot of fun. So the <laughs> first interest in it was just purely entertainment. I was like, oh, my, this is going to be a lot of fun. And I had the first lucid dream after reading the article and it was like waking up in a wholly new reality. It was as real as my waking life, except it wasn't reality. It was this dream state. And in my first lucid dream, I flew. And I, who doesn't like flying, right? So right. it was a blast. I, I was flying around. I was having a wonderful time. I woke up. And thankfully, I went, wow, that was amazing. I want to do that again. And I just kept doing it. Just kept doing it. And each time, every time I became conscious, it was just like this amazing amusement park. So I like to look at it as you know, nature has evolved the perfect virtual reality simulator, and it's called dreaming, but all it takes is consciousness to play. It's better than any entertainment system that I've ever encountered, still better than the Oculus Rift and our PS4s there. I mean, the quality of graphics, it's, it's, it's full sensory virtual reality when you wake up in the dream state. Without saying, because I know you've written four books, so without saying how it's done, is it easy for somebody to accomplish this? It's not that hard. Actually, you know, just recently I had a friend who's in his 60s. So you'd think, oh, gee, I'm too old. I can't lose a dream. But, you know, he's a very wealthy person. He's uh, got properties everywhere, and he's living the waking dream. So he travels at least two weeks out of every month, always vacationing. But, you know, we sat and talked about the intrinsic benefits that everyone likes to go watch movies. Everyone likes to read books. Everyone likes to play video games. We like entertainment. We we're entertainment and thrill seeking junkies. Right. But I said, we mm-hmm. always have that when we sleep, if we want to participate. So he took an interest from that perspective of entertainment and started having lucid dreams. And it took me a while before we reconnected and he sat down with me and he says, you know, I thought I had it all in life. You know, I had the cars, you know, I got the, you know, the houses and stuff like that. And he says, but I didn't, no, I was missing this. He said it was the most incredible experience. And he said the adventures that he goes on, he said, see, adventures are so amazing. And he was like, how come I didn't start this earlier? But that's just sort of where we're at societally. You know, like people don't know that they can do this. So he's been talking to his friends, and now he has friends in his age group that are starting to lose a dream just because, you know, it's, <laughs> once you talk about it from this kind of a perspective, the interest peaks up, and people are like, okay, I'm going to start participating in these already existing dream experiences consciously making that one choice right so it's not that hard it's all about how you approach falling asleep and your intent to stay conscious or become conscious during a dream name your four books right now my first book was a course on consciousness and i wrote that back in 1998 it was a little bit crude but it was my first book on lucid dreaming and a lot of the deeper stuff as well and then i came around and wrote a book called you are dreaming and that was back in 2004 and that book basically covered again lucid dream but now you know a little bit more mature a lot more information I've acquired on the topic and it wasn't so rough as my first book and then um, I got in the situation that inspired my third book which is a theory of precognitive dreams 
And the reason why I wrote that book was it was a precognitive dream that I had that stopped me from being hit by a white pickup truck, where in the dream I died when I woke up. But in waking life, I changed the circumstances because I didn't have four studded winter tires, and it was during the winter time, and I slid down a hill. Um, so I said, geez, you know, that was a pretty, uh, you know, I've had a lot of dreams that have come true, and now that's different than lucid dreaming. But needless to say, I acted on that information, bought these new tires, got in the same situation, but this time I was able to stop a foot past the stop sign, and the truck went in front of me instead of through me. And I said, you know, I'm going to write this book. I don't care if the topic is just so out there for people, but it saved my life, and that was my thank you for that experience. And then the last book that I wrote was uh, Living a Dream That Lasts a Lifetime. And it just sort of takes a look at, again, sort of an I, Plato's idealism, this concept that perhaps maybe our reality and the dream reality are interconnected and we may all be living in, you know, a verifiable dream world and completely so locked up in the immersion of what we think reality is, we're missing this relationship. And that relationship, in my perspective, comes through things like precognition. And I've definitely also, through lucid dreaming, explored that quite extensively in my life. Can um, I ask a question? Uh, Ian, do, is there any kind of a way to test it scientifically about the dopamine that's going on in the brain at the time of the lucid dreaming? I know that I've, I've read a lot of articles about, you know, when kids are looking at the video games and the, oh, it's all, the dopamine is flowing because they're doing these unknown things. Um, I'm curious if it works the same in lucid dreaming. Well, I know the, the research is there for showing when people are in that focused state because they have now known patterns that show up on EEG as well as fMRI scans. So they can see based on brain activity if a person's conscious or not conscious, um, largely because we start seeing a lot more activity in the prefrontal cortex where non-lucid dreamers don't have that activity. So, and of mm-hmm. course, when we're awake and conscious, a lot of that activity is in the prefrontal cortex. So it, it all kind of fits, right? So when a person's seeing that activity on the fMRI, it's like a person's acting, um, activating areas of their brain that deals with consciousness. Okay, so, so as for the different would. dopamine okay. levels and stuff, that I'm not too sure. But there's definitely research out there that supports consciousness during sleep. Okay. I'm curious, can a person... use this in a creative nature for themselves let's say a writer a poet i I would i would believe so and i think there are already writers that are out there that are using their dreams to influence their writing and producers and people that make movies Um, we're seeing a lot more of that now in our media i mean ever since inception um, people now are starting to gravitate more to the idea of being conscious during sleep i think that was a great movie and uh, Christopher Nolan, from what I understand, is also very big into dreaming and uses it for inspiration. Because every time you sleep and engage that state, it's a story. Every dream you have is mm-hmm. a narrative. It's an experience. And it's your choice. Hey, this was a really great dream. Do I do something with it in my waking life? Turn it into a book. You know, yeah. um, Turn it into a video game. Like Whatever inspiration you want to derive from that highly creative state, absolutely. Even music, because... I know when you start engaging these processes of shifting into lucid dreaming, you can start to think in these complex ways that shape the dream. So they actually 
is your thought forms. So when you start thinking as your body falls asleep, your thoughts become more visual, auditory, and tactile. But they're all, it's all a thought process. So you can create music as you're falling asleep. I know I've done that. Uh, I'm not a musician, but if I were, I would definitely be using my dreams as a tool to derive new creative patterns to maybe bring out in music. So I think when you tap into that, if you're a creative person, it's endless. Nice. How would, like I said, there's a thousand questions going through my head at once, and I'm awake. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> would somebody be able to tap into this that wanted to tap in? Can they, somebody use this that wanted to attempt to tap into the spiritual side? Have you done yeah, that? Have you tried that? For sure. I mean, when I first got into it, I wasn't into anything beyond entertainment. So I didn't know mm-hmm. that there was a larger part of us that we were accessing or I was accessing in that state. I didn't know that I'd become this deeply immersed in just the human experience. You know, um, one of the things about a problem that I see with a lot of us suffering in terms of immersion is that when we don't have access to information outside of our waking life, we are here in 100% immersion. But when you start to break that immersion by being conscious during the dream state, you have access to information that you don't have access to here. You also have the ability to come out of the amnesic fog. And I'm sure, you know, because you guys understand the spiritual side of things, when we come into being human, we, we set aside a tremendous amount of information so that mm-hmm. while we're here, this is all we know. But you can access and come out of that amnesic fog through reclaiming amnesic memory, uh, yeah, there's a big rabbit hole there of yourself threaded through more than just this current moment in time and space. It, it taps you into, in my opinion, you know, something infinite as a part of what you are, you know, just this massive, massive universal self, let's call it that. Yeah, because I'm, as you were saying that, I was just, the thought in my mind was, I've seen the white light, boom, okay, the flash of it as they talk about. And that was an awakened state. So for an individual that can focus themselves on maybe experiencing that, and if there is a way to follow a white light, as many near-death experiences claim, why not be able to do it in a dream state also? You know, that's well, be I've had a lot of encounters with, with that side as well. Um, I mean, we can go deeper than the lucid dreaming if we want to go a little bit off topic. But, sure. I mean, in my, in my personal experiences, and I'll just basically say, like, you know, I came into this lifetime from another lifetime. And as a child, I've always known because I died as a soldier in a war. And in that experience, when I had died, this being of light came down and it took me through all these layers and then processed me and let me know that I died. And then, of course, at the end of that, it said you have to go back, and this time would be different. I didn't want to because I told that everybody was killing everybody, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But it told me this time would be different, and it opened up literally this fractal pattern, and it became a tunnel when it pushed me in it. Um, that's when my personality was shattered. And it tried to strip away all the memory, and I would wake up as a child. And so, mm-hmm. But when I would wake up as a child, I went back through that tunnel and then continued to argue and fight with this being of light. So at that time, I didn't know what any of that was. And, you know, as a child, I, I struggled with the memories because there was a lot of trauma and a lot of things that a child shouldn't have to remember or go through. But um, I dragged that in with me because of the struggle, and I realized that's why I remembered. 
it didn't sit so well with everybody around me now in the local state because a lot of people don't have that experience. But right. by becoming conscious during sleep, it allowed me to actually go back um, many years later and reconnect with that being. And what it presented in terms of information was life-changing. Absolutely the most informative and incredible of experiences flowed from participating in engaging it in conversation. So it, it also was responsible for showing me my first lucid precognitive dreams. Right. So it was very potent stuff when I engaged that part of myself. And then by the age of 24, it became um, an interesting experience where I was now engaging this being, and there's a lot there and that we're not covering because it's too much information. But I, mm-hmm. I had suddenly realized that that being wasn't separate from myself, but that being was myself. It was my future self or my graduate self. And the reason why it pushed me back in here was because it needed to have this experience as part of its evolutionary process to become what it was then. So, you know, it's deep stuff when you get into that mm-hmm. rabbit hole, you know, what we are, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, I've, I've definitely gone that direction as well. And that's one of the main reasons why I've enjoyed it because you acquire information through direct experience that you're not going to get locally. You know, the locals aren't going to talk like that. Everyone's an immersion. So you kind of have to be able to do your own homework and get your own answers through direct experience. And lucid dreaming certainly provided the pathway for myself to break that immersion, have information. And it's not a common known, you know, people don't quite get it when I talk to them about it because they have no personal experience yet with it but then they haven't really saw it in themselves. They're looking for it in books and religious beliefs. They're not looking yeah. at it from the idea of, I got to answer my own questions. Yeah. Which is cool because you could come out or an individual could come out of that and actually write type of, uh, it would be in their mind, non-fictional. It would be a factual book, but mm-hmm. That's right. The rest of the world would look at it as a fictional book at this, you know, at this time in our world. Okay. But they could present everything that they've. And, and Go ahead. And that's just it. I mean, but the thing is, when you come into direct experience, like, you know, I mean, a lot of people that are listening have probably had deja vu, for example. And this is just kind of like the tip of the rabbit hole. And they'll have a deja vu moment and then they'll link that memory and that familiarity to something that they dreamed of the past. And wait a second, this isn't just deja vu, but I remember dreaming this. And that actually now becomes something known as deja vu or already dreamed. And as you know, from my website, I also advocate for that experience because I've had it since I was 16. And I, I know a lot of people have that experience, but it's not something, again, that's really talked about. So that's just, again, a part of yourself giving you direct experience, showing you that there's something more going on than just the immersion of your waking life. But there really is something deeper in all of us that's kind of bubbling forward, trying to get your attention. With all this experience, what would you say for a person that fears dreaming or the dreaming or the dreams scare them to get either over well, it, accept it or whatever, or what are they actually dreaming that would scare them? The thing is, a lot of the fears come from our childhood. I mean, we don't know what dreaming is for the most part because it's not taught in schools. It's the one skill that, you know, it's a really taboo topic and it's surprising because everything dreams, dogs, cats, humans, but there's very little known about the experience 
And there's a lot of, but there's a lot of good information. There's also a lot of bad information about dreaming. But of course, fear plays a role in what we are. We have a lot of fears and people don't realize that we are like a little battery. So we're going to store these fears and they're there until we resolve them. And there is a process in dreaming that's going to help you face fears because mm-hmm. it's just things that are getting in the way of your growth. So the dream's not trying to be scary and it's not trying to hurt you and they won't hurt you because you only ever wake up, but they're trying to help you resolve these stored patterns that need to be let go of. And when you do clear it up, it just opens the door for better experiences. So, you know, everyone's had bad dreams. And when I was a kid, I, I had bad dreams until I actually started to learn to control them. And once I was able to program my dreams and create the dreams I wanted to have, I don't think I've had a nightmare in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Nice. I often nice. tell my so, children, you're dreaming because your, your body, your awakening is trying to tell you how to solve problems and get you prepared right. for situations you're not ready for until you have your dream. And they're great for problem solving. A lot of people will find them when they're stuck on a problem, they'll go to sleep and sleep on it and wake up with the answer. You know, our subconscious yeah. mind is such a powerful information processing system. And it's something that you know, tap into it. It's there. We are all born with it. And I just say participate with it, use it, you know, grow with it. It's a part of you. What do you mean by wildness of the subconscious? Control our well, not again, wildness. Go ahead. When we're not in the driver's seat, we're then in the passenger seat of our subconscious mind. And when you're in that state, generally you're not conscious in the dream. So you're going to be exposed to a lot of your, you know, again, the fears and the anxieties and concerns that you have, you know, you might have a lot of work dreams and anxiety dreams being worked out because, you know, um, you're not yet directing that experience. So it's directing you. And again, for that same purpose of trying to help you work through issues, Um, but eventually you clear those issues up and get into the driver's seat so that you're no longer at the mercy of that powerful state. Because when you're, you know, as you guys know from your own dreams, the realism there is very profound. It can be as Mm -hmm. real as your waking life, right? So, you know, you do want to get to that point where you're not always processing fear, anxiety, and concern. Um, You want to obviously grow into that experience so that you're having dreams. You're like, oh, my God, that was so amazing. How do I get back to that dream? You know, I woke up from right. it. No, that was wonderful, right? So when you treat it like an art form, and it really is an art form, it, you know, like any art form, you just have to learn how to think that way, how to think in that language of dreams um, before it starts to get really good. But again, each individual becomes the artist, and it's their canvas that they're painting, and they're painting it with their thoughts. So everyone's going to be different, and we dream relative to our experience. So based on their belief systems and their life experiences, those dreams are going to be completely centered around you and your relative experiences. And are you able to go past that into deeper layers of the dream state? Um, definitely, but usually we got to work through all the garbage first. You know, there's a little bit of that hanging around until we go into the next level and then go into the next level and then go into the deeper levels. So it's kind of got a way of working it all out. Or the so evolution of anything. Okay. So once you work through all that stuff, are you able to dream possibly into the future, would you say? It bubbles up. It's an interesting anomaly. I still, having had that experience, I don't fully understand the dynamics. I know that precognitive information 
tends to be in a deeper nested layer of that experience. And I look at the dreaming state as a spectrum. So there's all these different layers of us that get caught up in these different, different bands of information. So some will deal with our fears and anxieties, our fantasies, our desires. But as you start getting into more, you know, direct with your waking life, and again, people will experience that with their deja vu, linking back to dreams, um, you just sort of pop into that. Um, and it's kind of an interesting way in how it presents itself because you don't know while you're there if that dream has any future information relevancy until it actually happens. Um, and mm-hmm. then it just fits. It's, it's uh, the best way to describe it. And I was talking to a person, and we use this analogy because, um, you know, we know a lot of things are common in our life, you know, very mundane, very common patterns. But I said, well, let's just imagine that in your dream, you walk into an art gallery and you see this amazing painting and it's something that you've never seen before. And you remember all the details and you wake up and you write about it in your dream journal. And then maybe four months down the road, you go to this art gallery and it's the same art gallery and you see the same picture, but the picture was just painted two months after you had that dream. So now you're stuck there looking at something very unique and very has that fingerprint and you can't then get past that intellectual argument you'll have of coincidence. You're like, no, that was that painting in my dream. And now I'm staring at it and it's right in my face. So when it comes through in that literal context, it can become inescapable because you now have that veridical evidence linking to that past dream. And I've had many dream journal samples where I've, you know, gone back to and read even conversation pieces and details that match future events. And, uh, you know, it just it surfaces up. And uh, I don't willingly connect to it. I mean, I've tried, but it just seems to be one of those things that come up anonymously and, and also just when it's needed. It always seems to fit when it's needed. It's like, hey, you need to know this. Boom, here's an important piece of information. And uh, so it's like a deeper part of ourselves trying to guide us through this experience, you know, that there's uh, inner guidance that's coming through that, that, uh, and it is from a deeper part of ourselves. Are you running any online workshops for people? Currently, I have uh, partnered up with a person. His name's Mike Marable, and he also started lucid dreaming around the same time that I did. So he, like me, lucid dreams almost every night. And we're going to be putting together an online course, and we're going to do a workshop out in Sedona. So we've actually just recently formed uh, a new business called Lucidity Project, and uh, we're going to have a new website. It's not ready yet, but it's lucidity-project.com. And on that website, we're going to have um, online courses that people can then go to and learn this. But the nice thing about these courses is that they can have, you know, questionnaires, quizzes, as well as being able to, you know, log their dream information and work with it because it is, there is a process. There's a lot of things going on that need to be worked on. And so the courses that we're working on are to deal with all of this stuff to help get it all out of the way so that people can just come into the dream state and get what they want from it. Put yourself back oh, yeah. in your driver's seat is my goal with it, right? I could see this being an ending. I mean, uh, because things will just be coming up, coming up, coming up. And, uh, You'll be tapping more and more into all of this, but the nice thing is that you're gonna that you guys are planning on having workshops too. So um, yeah, that that's gonna be very good for people. Very very good, very good. Well, Annette, I find you have any general conversations. Sorry. Yeah, Annette, do you have any questions? Hmm, I've asked quite a few that I was scratching down here. You know, as far as, I I know a lot of people have a hard time remembering their dreams, just in general. Mm -hmm. 
and it's probably so beneficial that they try to remember more details or the feelings. Because even mm-hmm. myself, I, I pay attention to dreams, but I wake up and go, wow, and then 20 minutes later, oh, I'm scratching <laughs> my head trying to get it back. Is there any tips right. you could offer the the general listening audience for trying just to that's remember first, to get started? That's the very first thing I start with because we suffer from cognitive atrophy, which means just like our muscles, if we don't go to the gym and work out, we're not going to be able to bench that 300 pounds. So, you know, because we haven't been developing these skills like memory, the other one is awareness, which is our level of lucidity when we go to sleep at night. And the third one is perception, how we see the dream, experience the dream through our senses. So, you know, all those things can have deficiencies in them that you can actually work on and improve uh, during the day uh, so that it comes out in your dreams and also then act upon when you wake up. But memory is the most important one. And there's a reason for it is because we do fall asleep and our neurology changes. So our dreams take place in our short-term memory regions. And mm. the information doesn't travel to our long-term memory bank, which is the hippocampus. It's been observed that is actually sending information out during sleep, not taking information in. And so I describe it as sleep-induced amnesia, because the thing is, we have four to six dreams every night. They're mm-hmm. there every time you sleep, you're dreaming. When you wake up, if you wake up suddenly, like an alarm goes off or a loud bang, and you get shocked, that dream memory can collapse quite rapidly. So it's a form of waking-induced amnesia. So those two challenges can be worked with, and you're just working again with your intention. So when you go to sleep at night, you're going to tell yourself that you want to remember your dream as clearly as you remember your waking life. You always use your waking self as your example, as a standard, saying, well, I remember things just fine when I'm awake, so I want to use that same level of memory when I dream. But when you wake up, the most important thing is don't, suddenly just engage the day and jump out of bed. You have to take that little bit of time to then go, what did I dream? Let me think about it and start pulling the memories back, even if it's just a fragment, because that one little fragment can trigger, because it's amnesiac, a whole wave of memory and then start writing it down. But the more you work with that, you don't even need to go through those processes. It gets more natural and more natural, like any muscle in this case, you get stronger and better at dream memory. Whereas you can wake up and, what did I dream last night? You'll remember any time of the day. Nice. Thank you. Good. Yeah. 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 I was going to ask you to give us a little information about something, and you did. Thank you, Annette, for uh, asking that question. Um, yeah. Again, your website is youaredreaming.org, and uh, you can find your books there. And you have a. You also have a blog there. I know that, right? Yeah, it's the journal section, which people can go through. I have a lot of dream journal entries on there, going back to 2010. I don't have the time generally to write all my dreams down because I do have a career and I'm a very busy person. So I wake up and want to write my dreams down most of the time, but Mm -hmm. I drive to work. And so it's it's a luxury (laughs) for me to write my dreams down when I have the time. But again, I'm not worried about it because I can re-access past dreams. Like you say, I mean, if I'm really interested in something, I've gone back to childhood dreams, nightmares. Uh, As a mature adult, I've gone back to dreams as young as five when I was working on issues and relive those dreams at this new mature perspective and realize, well, gee, I was scared as a child, but why? It wasn't really that big of a deal, right? So that memory that we have in all these dreams appears to stay there somewhere in our unconscious. So it's accessible, not always easy, but I just trust it now that I know it's always there. So when it's needed and you need to access it, you know, relax the mind and focus on that information and you can relive a dream. It's not that hard. Well, when um, 
people, let me ask you a question. You ever deal with people asking, you, well, what does this dream mean? I dreamt this. Does this. What does this mean? You know, like somebody may dream that they died. Okay. Right. Would they come to well, you and myself, ask you? What does that I'm mean? not a dream interpreter. And the okay. reason why I don't really get too deep into dream interpretation is because there's so much of the dream information that's, that's so relative to that person. I mean, there are certain things that can come through that will have meaning, but a lot of that information is so unique to an individual, it's hard to really say, well, with absolute certainty, the reason why you're having this dream is it has this particular meaning. And not every dream is going to really have a meaning. Um, it can just be like a mental exercise that you're just working through an issue, and it comes through in all of that dream symbology. But you know, I do know people that are very good at analyzing other people's dreams and they can find a lot of meaning and find out where in their life they got that influence, you know, because we draw again, our dream experiences from our, from our experiences. They're a reflection of ourselves. So, you know, um, people can. So they would have to concentrate on the waking state of the person along with the dream state or what the person's dreaming. To get kind of a better picture. Yeah. Of that psyche. Right. Because we're like little snowflakes here. Everyone's so unique. You know, we're so individualized mm-hmm. in our experiences. Um, but myself, I'm more into the art of dreaming and, uh, you know, right. going beyond just meaning, getting into the kind of dreaming that you want, having a quality, mm-hmm. a quality dream life, you know, mm-hmm. something that you get not just information, but also really wonderful experiences um, that add to your overall experiences so that your dreams become an added experience that's intrinsically valuable and meaningful to you. So now, do you believe that two people can set out to connect with each other in a dream state? Um, yeah, and again, because I've had experiences like that surface up, it's rare for me to have shared dreams, but I certainly have. Um, and uh, again, that's a potential, uh, and I think is a potential that will grow more as more people become less dream illiterate and more active dreamers. Um, I mean, I've talked, I, I've had the fortunate. Um, opportunity to observe uh, three people at a workplace start talking about their dreams to find out they all had the same dream and the beauty of it was that dreams do have unique symbolism that isn't related to our waking life and they have these exaggerations right so they were describing the dream symbolism and all of its exaggerations identical even where they were sitting and and the conversation pieces and none of them knew any of this kind of stuff and they were all sitting there in a very wow factor oh my god i think we've shared this dream and they were thrilled and then i'm sitting there going yeah you know i've been through that that potential is there but i don't think the science is there yet the study we're just we're still kind of getting to that one little baby step of yeah we can be conscious during sleep but what can we do with it what's next you know and there's a lot of resistance right now because of you know belief systems people just don't believe it's possible like that's impossible mm-hmm. there's, there's no way right but again let those direct experiences teach you and that's how you get those kind of answers so shared dreaming check and is it possible yes is it easy no there's a lot of challenges there that you know yeah. we still need to figure out and a lot of it too is because you might be in a dream sharing it with somebody they might have amnesia and not remember it right. so right. you know there's you're still a little bit of a needle in a haystack in that experience because of all the challenges that we have connected unless two people set out to do that purposely yeah. And, uh, I did yeah. have one person, I know I have it on my website, and I think it's under the evidence page where um, a Shoshone dreamwalker, a person I've never met before, 
uh, wanted to share a dream with me and set out to do so. And I was just like, I just said, yeah, you know, if you want to see if you can connect and, um, that I had a dream which seemed to fit that person. I've never met him before. And then on this chat back in the good old days of, of internet chatting, I was talking mm-hmm. with his wife and uh, she sent me a video of him after I had already written the dream and posted it on this forum. And sure enough, it was him. Like you, when you see that person and you can, you know, it was just like the day before uh, match that pattern to that person in the dream. It was uncanny. It was like, yeah, that's him. That was him. And I still have never met that person to this day, but in that dream, definitely that was a hit. So that blew my mind. That was a really amazing experience. So it can be done. Cool. Cool. That potential is there. I'm thinking about past lives and how you might connect with people from the past that you have been. If you, if of course you believe in reincarnation, et cetera. (laughs) What do you think about well, that? You're talking to a person that doesn't have a belief in that. I know that from experience. So, you know, we, uh, I don't think anybody is walking this planet right now that hasn't come from a past life, but there's many of us that have lost that memory to the mm-hmm. amnesia that comes into the immersiveness of being human. But we mm-hmm. do come out of that, and it's hard to explain. Um, I know I've had discussions with people, and it's like right now we're having this conversation. We know this is real, and it's it's part of our experience. Now we die, and so we're now we're in a new life, and maybe that person's 25 years old, uh, and suddenly they have this dream where they're having this conversation right now, and you're left with that <laughs> memory and trying to justify, no, no, I, I remember being Ed, and, 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 and you get these amnesiac, fragments but you can come deeper deeper into those um threads of amnesia um because you know one of the nice things about breaking immersion and being in that state is you have access to information that you don't have access to while you're here so i've come into a lot of my own memories of different lifetimes um because you know when i had my soldier from dying as a soldier to coming into this one, I thought that was my only other life. And of course now I'm engaging this being again. And it was like, why do you think that was your only other life? And why do you think it's just these two lives? And it literally connected me to all of them. And it just came in this huge flood of memory. And and you just go, Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, no, I, I remember this. I remember this. So we have a lot of amnesic memory that we need to, if we want to have it in our waking lives, you see the things that's always there, we don't have to have it in this waking life, we're going to get that information eventually. So, but there are people that want to have it in their waking life that want to have that comfort of knowing that, yeah, this isn't just, this isn't just, you know, the only chapter, this is a chapter in this eternal expression of self, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I don't believe in reincarnation. I absolutely know with hundred percent certainty that we've existed before this life. We've come into immersion for experience. We're going to come out of it. We're going to gain experience and reconnect eventually to the knowing that comes with this kind of stuff where you just, you know, it. it's like, yeah, okay. I remember this. That's very much a part of what I am. So it's there and your dreams can nudge you in that direction. Fascinating. Okay. Fascinating. Fascinating. Ian, I like to uh, remind the people like you go to your website again, you are dreaming.org. Um, can they can can they email you from there too? Um, yeah, and if you go under the about, there should be an email drop down that'll pop up there. Okay, but, uh, cool. I can give you my my I got public email address. It's Ian Wilson twenty seven at hotmail dot com. So that's Ian Wilson twenty seven at hotmail dot com. And you're also on Twitter, 
and you and do uh, you do follow ups basically a lot of follow ups with links and stuff on your Twitter feed. So uh, mm-hmm. that's good for people too. They want to stay. And I have a contacted. YouTube channel that has quite a few videos that I discuss. Oh, really? Things. Okay. Yeah. What's uh, what's a, you? Where, where would they find the YouTube channel at? Again, if you go to my website and hover over the about, it'll have a drop down. You'll see Twitter and YouTube and Facebook. Fantastic, fantastic, and that might even sink in more than the reading part too. So, uh, or people use a combination and get your books and follow up with the YouTube information. So I would like to say yeah, thank you on... for being on the show. Do you have anything else you want to say before we call this? It went by fast. Um, for it sure. does go by fast. Um, yeah, just before... participate in this already ongoing process of yourself. You know, be conscious during sleep. That's my only advice. You're not going to get hurt and you're going to discover it's a great tool for self-discovery. Just be conscious when you sleep. You can learn it at youardreaming.org. And there you can find links to the YouTube website to to even find more knowledge with the videos and stuff like that. Absolutely. And, yep. Anything else in that before we say goodbye to Mr. Wilson? I just I just want to say thank you to Ian. I uh, I'm excited to uh, go to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that's every night because that's the way it is for me. I it's my favorite part, you know. Uh, move from this focus state to a new focus state and it's a never-ending ride. It's just a great part of what we are. Thank you, Thank Ian. You were great guys. And we hope to have you on in the near, in the future. Thank you very I much. I love it. Sir. You guys, it was such an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, take care. It was enjoyable, wasn't it? Very much so. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very good. Uh, now, if we could wake up my conscious side, too, a little bit more um, at times, that would help, too. So um, anything else you want to say in that before we call it a night? No, I'm ready for some sweet dreams. His voice was so relaxing, and it's late. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I, I often have dreams. Where you know you can pause, and this I had one the other night that I woke up in the morning. I told my boys, "This is a story. I'm going to write a book someday." This was dream was so intense. Um, this story I could really evolve, you know get to the meat and potatoes of it. So I, I can see where he's coming from. It's you can do a lot with your subconscious mind. It's amazing. It sounds like it could be an adventure. It sounds like there's a, a learning curve to it, which is. Which is good because I believe with the learning curve, like any learning curve, it gives you confidence in what you're doing uh, mm-hmm. to help you through to do what you want to do. That makes sense. So, yeah, you choose the parts that are perfect for you. Exactly. Yep. And listeners, we'll be back the second Sunday in March with Mr. Scott Grossberg about sharkas and good stuff like that. Um, coding, I believe it's called your sharkas. So, the um, chakras, yeah. Yes. So, Annette, thank you. Listeners, yeah, thank welcome. you. And um, until next time, you have a great time. Annette, thank you. Blessed be. Good night. Good night.